Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. Match day 10 has just reached 90 minutes, but before we go into stoppage time, let's go ahead and take a look at the lighter side of football. Over the international break, former Bournemouth striker who plays for South Africa, Tokelo Rante, was, was actually removed from the South African squad for one of the strangest reasons. The South African manager, Ephraim, refused to comment on the situation, only saying that we thought, we thought in the spirit of encouraging team spirit and discipline, we must release Rante from camp. So, panelists, I'm going to ask you, what do you think happened? I'm going to give you some options here. A, he was late to a team meeting. B, he hijacked the gaffer team talk a la Mamadou Sako. Or C, he pulled down his trousers and farted in the direction of the manager. How about you, Chase? What do you think happened? I'm actually going to say none of the above and say it was like the uh, situation with the Ghanaian national team in 2012, where there were accusations of witchcraft and wizardry in the camp, which divided it. I think it was a repeat of that. That's my guess. <laughs> it's a trick question. Oh, okay. Well, Jeff, what do you think happened? Well, I a little bit on the wizardry angle. I was thinking he left to meet with Serrano from Major League. If anybody's watching World Series, like the Indians, Major League. Kind of funny. He's the one that couldn't hit the curveball. So he left the meeting, hung with him, got some oils and rum and incense, got that smoking, and that would help him on the pitch. So it was a bit of a seance to help his play. Okay. Nick, what do you think happened? I'm just going to go with a fart in Jimmy because that just, that, just, that just cracks me up. Pulling down the trousers and, the pant and pants and fart. At least it ain't front ways because you know what it's like with African people and the size of their appendages. We won't go down that road. Oh, okay. Well, out of all of you guys, Nick actually got it right. He did fart in the direction of his manager. According to a report here out of uh, Soatan Live, Ranty pulled down his pants, let one rip in the direction of the coach, uh, Ephraim Shakes, a few days ago in one of the most bizarre acts of obscenity ever seen in the national team. The flatulence was so suffocating that the putrid stench continues to hover over the team like a dark cloud. I don't know why you guys thought I was lying, Chase. Jeff, I, I've never actually done this to you guys before, but out of the options, Nick got it right. The lighter side of football today includes flagellants. And just like that, we're officially in stoppage time. We head into stoppage time minutes. Welcome to Stoppage Time, guys. I am your host, Jimmy. I am here with three wonderful panelists. We have Chase from the Van Buren Boys. Chase, how are you doing? Good. Hey, Jimmy. Happy Halloween. Um, I'm dressed as the scariest thing possible. Liverpool's front four this week. Oh, no. Oh. That was a good one. We also have Jeff from Cafe Football. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great. And I'm equally scary. I'm the back four. Is that funny? <laughs> just kidding. Mati. Just kidding, Lovren. Love you guys. Lovren. Uh we also have Nick from the uh, Let's Get Hammered podcast and also Cafe Football. Nick, how are you doing? We have Nick sitting outside McDonald's in London. The game's just finished and you, you called me because we missed up the time. So I've got a bit of indigestion, Jim, but I'm putting my life on the line for you here, boy. We really appreciate it. And yes, thank you, Nick. I did mess up the times. I forgot to subtract an hour from uh, UK time from the United States. So that was my bad and we appreciate you coming on anyway. And the car is also very soundproof, though, so... We're here, Jim. We're all in one place, just about. Awesome. And just like that, let's go ahead and start with the weekend roundup. It's the weekend roundup. It's week 10. This is about the time that we start to predict where teams are going to be finishing up. And let's go ahead and talk about Sunderland versus Arsenal. Good game for Arsenal. 
continued on their track. Chase, what do you have to say about this game? I'll focus on Sunderland, actually. I've never seen a team that is so intent on putting 10 men behind the ball defend so poorly. I'm convinced Sunderland couldn't stop a nosebleed, to be honest. I think this team is going to be mathematically eliminated by February. The Derby team that was so awful in 07-08, the worst team in the history of the Premier League, had five points by this point in the season. Sunderland have two. So I think that they are on the very, very long road to a, a painful Premier League campaign. Nick, what, what are your first thoughts from this game? Well, just to agree with Chase, Sunderland are utter, utter dog shit. Really, I'm, I'm, there's a much more analytical way of putting it, but the most bizarre thing yesterday was David Moyes' press conference when he came out and said things are improving. Things have improved since I've got here. We're doing, we're doing things right. They've got two points. How? And again, I'm, I'm, you've got me in a rant already. If I was a Sunderland fan and I'd sat after the game listening to that press conference, I'd be insulted. I would literally be insulted saying things are improving, things are getting better. But I really think David Moyes has lost the plot. Wow. I really think, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, what are your first thoughts as well? What what else could one possibly say? Two points from an available 30 yet to Nick's point. In his post-game presser, he claimed that they were the better side with more quality at times during the match. And anybody that watched that match, no way in hell, right? Uh, Arsenal, yes, they have good interchange up front. And Otsil, I thought, played pretty well. Sanchez was active. But this is more about Sunderland, less about Arsenal and as Painter, Brian Painter from Talk On would say, water indeed is wet. Arsenal beat Sunderland. Well, Chase, why don't you tell me a little bit about Arsenal as they, they're continuing their push for the league this season. What, what else did you maybe catch from this game for them? Yeah, I think the one thing that struck me about Arsenal is that Arsene Wenger seems to have finally figured out that in certain games, he's probably going to need two separate systems to win. Um, so they start with Sanchez at striker, and obviously that's been really effective for them over the course of the campaign because he can press really high up the pitch, and he's really good with the ball at his feet, and it allows their midfielders to get involved. But what was really impressive to me this week was seeing that it wasn't working as well as it has in the past. So he brings on Giroud, and he scores with the first two touches of the ball, which is, the, I think, one of the first time that's that's ever happened in the Premier League where someone scores two goals with their first two touches. So he's showing a little bit of flexibility, which I think should scare the other teams in the top four. Arsenal look really solid. Nick, Giroud. Giroud, he, he blows hot and cold. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, but he can go for a run of like 10 games without getting a sniff, but then he go, goes on these runs where he gets four or five goals in three games. So... I really like him. There was rumors linking West Ham with him in the summer. I don't know how true they were, but I, I really like Drew, and he gives Arsenal a different dimension, a more direct dimension, and he's a bit rough and ready and more physical. So, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Olivier Drew. Very nicely done. Let's move on to the next game. We're going to be talking about West Brom versus Manchester City. Nick, what are your first thoughts on this? Is this obviously Pep finally getting things righted? I mean, we can't we can't read much too much into this, surely. I mean. I, I find it bizarre his treatment of Aguero. Why did Why did Aguero start in the new camp? And why Why is he saying he can make Aguero a better player? Aguero doesn't look too bad of a player to me. Pep's man man management in certain situations does leave a lot to be desired. I mean, Aguero Aguero is probably out one of the hottest prospects in the Premiership, and I don't understand how he can make him any better. Surely you build a team around Aguero, not isolate him like he has been and drop him for big games. That's true. Jeff, what do you think? 
I think it's a classic get Aguero to play within a system, which makes him more threatening, makes the entire side more threatening, especially up front because city in the past have been more singularly focused on Aguero or De Bruyne to hit. Yeah. It, Aguero in the first half, two lovely strikes within nine minutes, one from close range, another from the edge of the penalty area. And then gunned again, tacked on another two in the second half, one from a set piece and another, that lovely ball from De Bruyne, which just shows the effect of De Bruyne on city, not the same city that lost one nil to United, which triggered Mourinho's apology to the fans for the four nil Chelsea different subject. Anyway, uh, different. Yeah. Atoning for the bad run of form and the, uh, the drop to United. So uh, pretty pedestrian and you could see the effect of, Brom opening up and not dropping back, right? Once they open up, try to attack a little bit more. Swiss cheese abound in that in that defense, unfortunately. Chase, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Aguero is world class. I, I just a couple of stats here: thirteen and thirteen this season. Um, so one for one, even after he had a four game uh, drought without a goal, that's an incredible statistic. I watched match of the day this morning. I just caught up on it, and they were showing a stat that said that Aguero yesterday against West Brom ran ten point six kilometers. Last season, his average was seven point two. So it's obvious to me that Pep is trying to get Aguero to be a little bit more well rounded and play in a system that is more suited to Pep. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Pep's man, man management at times, I agree, is absolutely baffling. His treatment of certain players is just bizarre, but he knows what he wants. He's very specific about what he wants. And I just wonder if he's tried to motivate Aguero. I do agree that there's no excuse for him not playing at the new camp. He's one of the few players in the Premier League that would get into any side in the world, which in my opinion is the definition of world-class. So you don't leave world-class players out of your team. It's just, you just don't do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Nick, do you think that this treatment that Pep is having on Aguero is actually going to benefit Aguero? I don't know. I'm, I'm mystified by it. Because just to put it in context, Aguero is Man City's Messi. And would Barcelona drop Messi? No, I guess not. That's, that's my point, yeah. All right, let's go on to the next game. Master United versus Burnley. The woes continue for Jose. Jeff, go ahead and give me your first thoughts. My thirst, my first thoughts, <laughs> your thirst thoughts. Yes. Your thirst thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I'm, that was my first thought is just <laughs> unbridled laughter. So another thorough embarrassment for Jose, uh, like I mentioned after the four nil drubbing for Chelsea and apologizing for the bad run of form and, and getting his uh, butt kicked special one again, dr- disruptive in the box forced to hang in the stands and aside losing at old Trafford or excuse me, not losing drawing <laughs> to, to Burnley at old Trafford. Ibra clearly without confidence missed a sitter that even Dejan Lovren would have made at immediate range and Rooney, just a joke from atop of the penalty area. What can you say? Of course, other teams have been similarly humbled by Burnley, namely Liverpool on the road, but at home, just awful. Can I just point out, Jeff, that Mane had a very similar miss? Very similar, but not exact. Chase, Chase, what are your first thoughts here? I think I think my first thoughts is that the team is in complete free fall right now. Mourinho is more focused on his hotel room than where Pogba should be playing. I, you know. One of the members of the Van Buren Boys podcast, Sean, um, is a secret member of Red Cafe, which is the United unofficial fan forum. And he pulled some headlines for me today. Um, some of the, the four of the top six forum titles are bring back Rooney, 
gigs was the answer. What does Fellaini exactly offer? And then what if five question marks Mourinho fails to get top four? They're acting like that's the most shocking thing in the world. It's not. They're probably not going to get top four if they keep playing like this, right? He's got no idea what to do with the squad. Uh, it's hilarious. I'm loving every minute of it. Um, and long may it continue. <laughs> wow, Sean going undercover there. That's very dangerous, Waters. Yeah, refuses to give his username, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very safe and fair for him to do. Nick, your thoughts, please. Right, we, we go back to the point I made last week. We go back to the hodgepodge mentality of he doesn't know where he wants players to play. He hasn't got a, a, a solid system of play. And I've read, a, I've read a stat, I can't. But combining his record with Chelsea and Man United over the last... 25 games, I think it was, in the Premier League. He's had 13 defeats. So it, I just think he's losing a little bit of his aura. And whereas in his first spell at Chelsea, his first, the players didn't question him. And they've seen them cracks from the, from the tail end of Chelsea and his start to his life at, life at Man United. And I don't think he has the power of control and persuasion over players that, say, Jurgen Klopp has now. Where Jurgen Klopp is kind of the totemic leader of Liverpool and anything he says his players will do for him. I don't think, I think people are starting to question Mourinho internally. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, really quickly, Manchester United actually had majority of the possession and lots of chances. Is it just that they were unlucky in this game? A little bit of unlucky. Ibra's sitter is unlucky. It's more to do with the lack of confidence in the, in the striker. Unfortunately, Rooney's shot was just, wayward he wasn't ever going to make that uh, maybe in his prime but certainly not not in this stage of his career Herrera getting the red I mean that's a mental error I mean maybe he was unlucky to get the second yellow but you know he, he's too active talking to the re- referees I think that I'm sure uh, precipitates the the cards coming his way so yeah I think it's uh, a little bit of luck but more their run of form it's unmistakable it's just not a team it's this assemblage of a bunch of components that don't work well together following Mourinho's logic I would blame this draw on Manchester United because they had most possession of the ball and they had the most chances and didn't want to score following his uh, logic from the Liverpool match what do you guys think (laughs) I think that's pretty spot on I'm getting a very anti-Man United sentiment between you three don't know what you're talking about Nick we're going to move on to the next game Let's go ahead and talk about this completely off the subject Crystal Palace versus Liverpool game. And we'll go ahead and start with you, Nick. What did you think about this game? Well, it's, it's Liverpool in a, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, easy for me to say. Attacking, going forward, absolutely fantastic. Breathtaking, best team I've seen this season. But at the back, you're not going to win a title defending like that. Jeff, your first thoughts on this match. So, Liverpool, yeah, it's just as Nick articulated so wonderful going forward that club up in the air by Lovren who knew what he was thinking at the time and of course they took advantage of it and the other goal I believe was from a set piece but the forward attack getting Matip wonderful acquisition over the summer you know it's right up there with Mane is could be the signing of the last transfer window came over on a free Six foot five set piece specialist finally got up in the air and and got a ball to that forehead and it's a beautiful header. Uh, so good to see him in and Bobby Firmino. How could you deny him in the Premier League? We've been talking about him for a number of weeks on Stoppage Time, talk on other pods in the Football Purist Network. 
just an incredible talent. And for all the work that he's been putting in week in and week out, making the runs, pressing without much reward, I think good for him to see the back of the net. Chase, your first thoughts. Yeah, I just think Klopp is determined to reverse years of pundits saying you can't score your way to a league title. He seems intent on proving that incorrectly. Alan Hansen tweeted out yesterday that if Liverpool's defense was one-fourth as good as their attack, they would walk the league, which I think is probably true. Um, showing a little bit of bias here as a lover of, of Brazil, I think Coutinho is probably in the best form of any player in the Premier League right now. Uh, just reality. It's only a matter of time before Barcelona calls him about replacing Iniesta. And I think that'll be a, a real loss for the Premier League when he does inevitably leave Liverpool. Let's go ahead and move on to the next game, the final game of the weekend roundup, Everton versus West Ham. Nick, go ahead and start, please. Mm-hmm. All right, let's try not to use the word. I thought West Ham were terrible today. Other than, other than the first 20 minutes, I thought West Ham were in desperate need of a forward. Everything they did well on Wednesday in the EFL Cup against Chelsea in terms of pressing, closing down, making solid tackles. Two quick points I would like to pick up on. I thought Pyatt was absolutely terrible today. Um, and when, when the chips are down and when things are going badly, he's not going to roll his sleeves up and do, do the hard work for you. And also, I, I think Mark Noble needs to be dropped. I think he looks he look slow, he looks off the pace. And West Ham have had a little upturn in form. But I'm looking over my shoulder again now. because They've got Stoke next weekend, and that's a massive game. Jeff, what are oh, your thoughts? Well, for one, Komen seems to be implementing a system. Everton looked, you know... Very crisp off the ball. Their pressing was impressive. I think that gave West Ham a lot of problems. And Lukaku, who's been the bane of the existence of West Ham, apparently, over the last nine matches, he scored nine times. Sounds like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, nine times. <laughs> it, but seven Premier League, two, uh, two in the FA Cup, and here he goes again with a dead-on header from a ricochet from Balassi. Uh, there was at zero ham defenders marking him. It's just right in front of the goal and four or five just sitting about five yards back. Kind of dumb. So, And you, Nick, you would mention Noble. He should, he's off the pace, but his beautiful strike, phenomenal save by Joel. I don't know how he got a hand on it, but that was, that was pretty impressive. But Coleman's got his team humming, and they were certainly on the pace at home. Definitely. Chase, your thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I still worry about West Ham. I think it was nice that they had two wins in a row, but you know, one of them was late against Sunderland, who we talked about as maybe one of the worst teams in Premier League history, and then one was against Crystal Palace, who seemed to be in their own little bit of free fall here. Uh, Nick, I'm really glad you said what you said about Payet, because I think that's a really, really interesting point. And as I was watching the game, two things really struck me about Pyatt first was he didn't seem to, there were times where he didn't want to get stuck in or, you know, go for a header over someone. And, and the other thing was there were a couple of times when he had someone open and he chose not to pass and his teammates would throw their hands up in the air. I just wonder if the celebrity is getting to him a little bit. People really praised Pyatt after last year. And sometimes that can go to people's heads, especially the next season when the team's not playing so well and is is missing a striker, as you said, but I'm glad you said that because I think that that's something that a lot of people sometimes aren't willing to recognize, but maybe it's time for the manager to have a word. Cause he looked not in, not in harmony with the rest of the team is how I put it today. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? And plus 
Uh, it does seem as though some players are coming back for West Ham from injury. I mean, they are getting players back. Like AU come back today and he played some time in the EFL Cup. West Ham are getting players back. I mean, Carroll, I don't think he's going to be back until his 90th birthday. That's what, you, what happens when you sign players on a, um eight-year contract. They've got no intention of getting staying fit. So they are they are getting players back and getting stronger, but I don't know. They're so bipolar at the moment. You don't know what side of the coins are going to turn up. Jeff, where do you think they're going to uh, West Ham's going to end up this season? Well, they've had a decent run of form at home, and they played fairly well in the EFL Cup. At least you know advancing over to the quarterfinals. We had quarterfinals ready. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's been hot and cold, but starting from where they started beginning of the season, it's a nice, you know, they're making progress, some progress. Maybe it's not to the standard of a lot of their supporters. And I get that, but they're not in a relegation fight and they were at the beginning of the season. So this is good. I just want to say prediction, hot take. I think in February and March around there, or maybe April when the pressure is worn off and they feel like they can't get in a top four, top six or whatever, I think they'll go on a run of like seven or eight games unbeaten. That's my prediction because I think that the talent's there and players will start to come back from injury. And I think that, I think that they'll go on a really good run and we'll be like, Oh wow, this was the West Ham that we expected this year. Yeah. So Nick, keep your eyes peeled. Nick, I'll give you a chance for a prediction as well. I, I think they will be, that's so hard for me to do. That is so hard coming in Bay. Um, the worst thing West Ham could do is get rid of Slaven Village because he's, he's the genius behind it all. And I don't care. It's too much of an easy get out to get rid of your manager. And he would walk into any Premier League club tomorrow and turn them into a better side. And at the end of the day, West Ham are in a cup quarter final. So we're only, we're only two games away from Wembley. And I know I've said we, but... Yeah, West Ham um, is two games away from Wembley. <laughs> so, in the day, things are not that bad. That's the end of the weekend roundup. And after the weekend roundup, Nick has 11 points. Chase has 13, the newcomer. First time on stoppage time. Well done. And Jeff has 12. Let's go ahead and move on Beginner's to Beginner's luck. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to our more comedic section. Five-word advice. We're going to be talking about, as we've already touched upon in this episode a little bit, we're going to be talking about David Moyes. Just any type of advice you guys could give him after the terrible amount of points they've gotten from the first 10 games. Five-word advice. Nick, go first. Get near the welfare line quickly. Seriously. <laughs> oh, no. Jeff. Hints of Brendan Rodgers. Chase. Resign while you still can. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, do you have another one? No, no, I don't today. Sorry. It's all right. Jeff, do you have another one? Continuing on this Brendan Rodgers theme, Moy's out, Rafa in. Oh, Chase. How is Pinar still playing? <laughs> Jeff. The only other I've got is you were not better at times. You just weren't. Okay, and Chase. How is O'Shea still playing? Don't worry, I have one of these for every member of their starting 11. So. I think that's enough for there. Nick, do you have any comments on, on your five-word advice for Moyes? Well, seriously, I mean, I, I was talking about this with my brother. We do the podcast together. And we said, that I think it comes down to the fact of he stayed at Everton too long. He was too comfortable there. And he got a too, too, um, too comfortable environment. All right, he went to Man United, and we look at Man United now and say maybe if he was given two or three years, which I don't suppose never would have happened, but he could have got something in place where he could have succeeded. But then that fact he failed there, and that sort of damaged him irreparably. 
Um, he went out to Spain to Sociedad, didn't really make a success of it there. And you look at it now, and if he does leave Sunderland, I think he's going to have to drop down into the Championship to find work because I can't see another Premier League team taking him on anytime soon. Those are very good points. Jeff, well, do you have any your thoughts from your five-word advice? <laughs> Besides Brendan Rodgers. Oh, enjoy the TV revenue while you can. That's all it is. He's not going to make it. Two points out of an available 30 is just sad and embarrassing. And Rafa doing the exact opposite. Went down and is coming back up and is leading the entire field by a long shot in the championship. So it's obvious which team has it together and which doesn't. Chase, what about you? Yeah, I, I think the championship may be good, too good for David Boyce at this point in his career. <laughs> the championship has two has two Champions League's winners in it, and uh, David Boyce may be looking to ply his trade down in League League uh, League Two. Wow, I I really like the point you guys brought up on let's get hammered, Nick. The fact that he was probably too comfortable for too long. Our next segment: Go for goal or go for the corner flag. Is go for go, go for the corner flag, and we're going to be talking about our first topic. The ball, the Ballon d'Or shortlist has been released with Suarez again being on it, as he has been for the past few years. Suarez himself has ruled himself out entirely this week. Earlier with this quote, "I've earned all the awards I've been given. The award works around marketing, so I don't have a chance." Are you going for goal or going for the corner flag? With his thoughts, Jeff, I would go for goal. Yes, of course, it's about marketing and. Suarez, unfortunately, didn't win Champions League, nor did he win the Euros, given the expanded format like Ronaldo. I think he should get it. He's the world's most prolific striker. Liverpool fans still have a loss in their heart piece, their their physical tissue missing from him leaving. So the performance he put in with Messi out, I think it's unmistakable. He should be walking home with it, but... And again, you've got Riyad, Riyad Mahrez and Vardy thrown in at the last minute. <laughs> it's a total marketing effort. Chase, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go for goal as well. I think anytime people dress up in tuxes to receive trophies, I, I question whether or not it's a conspiracy. Uh, FIFA, <laughs> FIFA, is so pro- FIFA is so proven to be a pathetically corrupt organization. I've, I've really given up trusting them entirely to do anything without a marketing spin to it. Quick question then, Chase. We talked about it on this show before, the fact that FIFA World Player is going to be separate again from Ballon d'Or. Do you think then that you will trust it more once that happens? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I just, and this is, we could have five podcasts on this of an hour apiece, but the, the corruption that's really at the core of world football right now is just the, the governing bodies is just so so deep and so toxic that I just don't think it's hard to weed it out at this point, to be honest. All right, Nick, what are you going for going, going for the corner flag with Suarez's comments? I'd, I'd go for goal as well, to be honest with you. But with the caveat that I still don't think you could have, no, no matter how well Suarez has played, have him as the world player of the year just because of his previous past discretions. Because if if he is representing football as a whole, I still don't think he is the right man to be the the front and centre guy. But also with the Ballon d'Or, I think the the whole thing's ridiculous. When you've got Jamie Jamie Vardy on the list, there's, a, there's um, even Piat. I don't think Piat really deserves to be anywhere near it. So I, I think the whole system and the whole way of selecting people needs to be redefined. 
All right, let's go ahead and go on to our next topic. Earlier this week, Klopp said that he no longer had respect for critics of Liverpool's defense. This coming after two soft goals given up between West Brom, Abramovich, and also Spurs in the, in the English League Cup, the English Football League Cup, I'm sorry. Do you think Klopp is handling this the right way? Go for the corner flag or go for goal? Chase. I'm going up for 90 on this one. It's the greatest piss take of all time. Uh, it's easy to laugh when you score three plus goals per game. I think he's just he's just literally talking trash, which I appreciate always. <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? I'm right there with him. No, no surprise. Yeah, Klopp, if they can attack forward as they are, the defensive woes matter less, and Lovren just shouldn't be starting for that side. <laughs> Nick? I'll go for corner flag. So I'm so I am saying that if you make them defensive mistakes, you are, you are going to get criticism. You can't have, you can't have it both ways. You can't have a constant praise for your attacking play and then have no one talk um, talk badly about the way you're defending. So again, it is still something that he's got to fix because it will come it will come back to haunt you, letting in two goals a game because you you're not going to score four or five goals every week. And I know, I know you boys really want it to happen, but I, I just can't see it. So this is just Klopp being Klopp, right, Nick? Oh, you, you're twisting it. You're getting, you're getting, pra- you're getting praise for him. It, it, he, he's not the Messiah yet. Talk to me in May, all right? We'll <laughs> see where we are in May. Let's go on to the next topic. I like that. Next topic. Conflicting reports have come out over the past week in terms of Rooney's place in the United squad, mainly being, first of all, reports saying that Jose Mourinho was ready to let him go. Second, then saying that he was not going to let him go. With a clear out coming in the transfer window, it is thought that Rooney could be one of those players that are leaving. Strongest links are for Everton or LA Galaxy in the MLS, as Gerard will be leaving after this season. So let's talk about this point, because there's a lot to dissect, but just this point. If Rooney were to make the jump to the MLS, would it be a good move for both Rooney and the league? Go for goal, go for the corner flag. Nick? I'll go for the corner flag. Because he's not, he's not David Beckham. He's not. He's not even Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard and David Beckham are good marketing people. They can give press conferences and be faces of brands. Even though I hate that word in football, but brands. But Rooney, Rooney hasn't got that about him. So he he, he wouldn't be a good fit on the on the pitch. He'd probably do all right. But I think you would agree. American football, not American football, but MLS football needs more personalities than type, kind of terms of types of players because. If you're a personality, that's what's going to drive the MLS forward and take it forward to be a more competitive, viewable brand. Yes, no, I do agree with that. Chase, what do you think? I'm going for the goal because I think MLS is Rooney's level. No, I'm just joking. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for the I'm going to go for the corner flag. Um, I think the MLS has a legitimate problem right now with the wealth disparity among its star players. I think when each team has one or two players making seven plus. A million dollars per year, and then the best, the rest of the players barely clear 50k. Uh, that's kind of an issue. Um, I think it was cool at first because, as Nick said, Beckham was such a marketable figure, but that was 10 years ago. Um, so I think if we want to push on as a league and as a as a soccer culture, I think that they need to start figuring this stuff out. And I don't think players like Wayne Rooney are, are the answer. Jeff, your thoughts? I would just continue on that point. MLS needs to have higher aspirations than just being a retirement league for slower EF, you know, Premier League stars and other world stars. Star? I don't think. To, I'm sorry. Former, former star, right? It, for for United and you know, and for England, he's off the pace, just like 
Gerard, unfortunately, off the pace. You bring him to MLS, and what has been the contribution short of Beckham? Beckham came here and performed. The other players, Pirlo, Lampard, Gerard, could you say the same? So, corner flag well, for, for MLS, I think it's bad for the league. And send him to Everton, why not? Nick, can I make a quick point? Jim? Is that all right? There's just something, something to come across. The only way in my mind, and you, you, you three are better placed to take take this argument on. But the only way you're going to fix MLS is to get rid of the draft system and actually make it into a more European format where you've got club owners and there's no limitations on budgets and it's a more open market for players because then then you get a more competitive edge to it. And also, what, what I would do to is make it a more Premier League format where you'd have an MLS 1 and an MLS 2, so you'd have promotion and relegation. Because to me, the playoff system works in your, your other American sports, your NBA, NFL, but it completely kills competition because you know that, I don't know the exact numbers, but six or... Um, are going to get six teams are going to get into the playoffs from both sides of the conference. So there's no competitive edge to anything that sort of goes on, and there's no relegation. So you're just playing football for playing football's sake, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I just think there needs to be some proper strong, strong systemic change in the MLS for it to thrive and move forward. Chase, why don't you give me your thoughts, please? No, I, I think all of that is absolutely correct. I think that um, NBC and Fox and the Premier League have proven that the European model can be very popular in the United States. I'd say more Americans watch the Premier League than the MLS. So the, the MLS is in this weird place right now where it's kind of right in between, you know, what we traditionally expect with American sports and and what the what the European leagues do, and they're trying to kind of split the difference. But what is happening is they're kind of getting neither of those things. And so I, I agree with Nick. I think they need to do a full scale kind of retooling on the league and, and model it more after what goes on in Europe, because obviously those leagues have a lot of traction with American supporters. So I think the playoff system is a complete joke and the transfer system where the MLS seems to choose teams out of a hat who gets the designated player is just ridiculous. I mean, it, it kills any sort of interest in the league. Jeff, what are your thoughts? That, that's the same. <laughs> really don't have much to add to that. MLS has got issues with, I don't know how you would break it apart. Of course, the current setup is to establish parity among all the teams. It's an upstart league in many ways that just need to work on it. I just don't know how you break up that structure in a way that mimics more European, European style ownership, you know, either in the Bundesliga, such as what has been discussed uh, thoroughly by Chase on the Football Purist page uh, regarding ticket prices. Very interesting discussion there. But how do you, you know, from an organization structure standpoint, break the league apart? And, you know, that that's dramatic change. I, I don't know if MLS is ready for that. I don't think they're willing to do it, which is unfortunate. Quite unfortunate, especially we got Jeff, especially you and I really got into that with with uh, Stefan in, in uh, that cafe football interview that we had with him. So this is true. Now it was really interesting. Um, let's Fantastic go ahead. Fantastic interview, by the way. Sorry, I'd encourage anyone to listen to it. That interview done with Stefan. Yeah, that was a fantastic piece of journalism. Thank you, Nick. Let's uh, let's go ahead and look over the points really quick. The points stand as Nick with 16, Jeff with 20, and Chase with 20, which means Nick, I'm sorry, you're not going to be moving on to the next stage of this portion of the pod. <laughs> 
What are your what, what do you have to say about yourself, Nick? Well, well, you 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 owe me for um, my McDonald's. I've rushed down. <laughs> if, if I'm in the, if I'm in hospital later with uh, indigestion and food poisoning. I'm bi- I'm billion football purists. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> right. Well, hey, let me. We'll make sure to give you Ollie's uh, our fantastic leaders' uh, contact info so that you can do that. Okay. All Billy can. Okay. We didn't create the pink slime. It was already there. <laughs> it is the final say. So we will be moving on to the debate stage now. We're going to continue our theme here of grading managers. Last week we did Jose Mourinho. A lot has happened since then, but this time we're going to be talking about Pep Guardiola, as this seems to be quite a hot topic on Football Purist Network in general. I will be giving you guys three minutes each to grade him, and we can go ahead and start with Jeff. Jeff, go ahead. Great. I, probably a B minus if you're Pep coming in. Accomplished a lot of things with the run of 10. Good for him and good for the side. It's natural new coach lift, especially to that group, and Sterling saw a jump. You know, this is a player that suffered in his first season at the Etihad. And here we go. He is engaged a little bit more. He's coming off of form a little bit, but so has the rest of the side. So he has gone through the first run of 10 and has, you know, the last six suffered. And it's how he recovers from that adversity that really completes the grade. But I think if you're staring at it right now, it's a B minus. B minus. Chase, what are your first thoughts then? I'm going to give him a B plus, And I think just way too much has been made of, of Pep's form in the Premier League so far. I think the, the British media wants to kind of shout from the rooftops about exceptionalism in the Premier League, but then make disparaging comments when new managers and players come in and struggle. So to me, that those two things are a little bit incompatible. I think when you look at City this season, Fernand, like Jeff said, Sterling looks like a completely new player. Fernandinho looks like a total new signing. He is having a fantastic season and has been completely turned around under Pep. Um, Gundogan looks to be the real deal. We're only 10 games in and they're at the top of the table. I, I just, uh, the thing with Pep that's really interesting is that he seems to be held to a completely different standard than the rest of the managers. And I think it's just because he's been so successful. So what other manager do you know that, is at the top of the table after 10 games and doesn't get a B plus or higher in terms of his managerial prowess. So I, I think he's, he's been great for the league so far. He's reinvented the way that city's playing football at the moment. And um, I, I mean, as someone who supports another team in the top four, I hope that they falter, but I don't see it at this point. I think he's got his, he's got his betting and pains done and, and he's moving forward. Jeff, he's been a very successful manager. Do you think that he is more criticized because he's possibly foreign? I think he's more criticized because people have talked about him like holistically as best manager in the world. Anyone with that kind of title, of course, comes responsibility to defend it and back it up. And here he is in the Premier League that everyone has said, especially with last season's run of form, Leicester City jumping to the top of the, the table, it wasn't as competitive. Well, look at this year, three teams still in contention for first, tied for first, he needs to prove it here in order to be, you know, best manager in the world because that includes England. Chase, what are your thoughts? I think that the bigger criticism or the bigger reason that Pep gets criticism is the fact that he, the way that he has changed football in Barcelona and then again at Bayern Munich, I think people 
are tired of hearing about kind of what a revolutionary he is in the game and how he's an artist and avant-garde and all of these things. And I think people get tired of the intellectualizing of, of the game. And I think Pep kind of stands at the forefront of that. And so I think he does get a lot of criticism for that reason. People are waiting for him to come into the Premier League and just reinvent football again. Well, I don't think it's going to happen that quickly. And if we believe that the Premier League is an exceptional league and is the best league in the world and, and English football is different because of its physicality and raw speed, it was obviously going to take a little bit more time for him to do to to make the changes that he thinks that he needs to make. And obviously he needs to tinker with his system some. So I I just think for him to come into this exceptional league and be top of the table when everyone said that his system maybe won't work in the Premier League. I just don't see how you give him anything lower than a B plus. I you can only play the games that are in front of you and he's done it and he's won the game. So it's, we'll see, we'll see how the season closes. Okay. And that's the end for the debate here. Jeff was very kind of him to let me borrow the calculating tool that we use in cafe football to choose the winner. So very nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it looks as though chase just edges out with the win at stoppage time on this first time on. Chase, congratulations. And so you do have some bragging right time. So go ahead and anything you want to talk about. Sure. Thanks, Jimmy. So the one thing that I wanted to bring up is we have some great pieces on the Football Paris website on ticket prices. Brian Painter from Talk On posted uh, a article called The Price is Right about ticket prices. I afterwards responded with the price is, one, the price is wrong part one, the price is wrong part two, and say so we'll be uh, publishing the price is wrong part three. And just to give you a summary of my argument, I just think that it's wrong that the the middle class of, of England are being priced out of the Premier League. They're, they're part of what makes the league so great and so valuable. So check out our pieces, check out our arguments and uh, let us know what you think. Thank you so much for that, Chase. And that is very true. Chase and Brian Painter with some great articles on the Football Players website talking about just as Chase mentioned. So go ahead and give it a listen. This is Jimmy. I want to say I get by with the help of my friends. So I want to thank Chase for being on here from Van Buren Boys. Chase, where else can people find you online? Well, they can find us at, at Van Buren Boys FP. Also check out our politics blog at the Dispatch Box. Perfect. And again, please go ahead and check out the articles on the F Football Purist website. We also have Jeff. Jeff, that we can find Cafe Football. Where else can people find you, Jeff? Cafe Football FP on Twitter. And heads up, Stevie Nichol is interested in coming to Cafe Football after we review his book, Five Lead Title Titles and a Packet of Crisps. So very be interesting for time. Liverpool fans in particular. Yes. So we are very excited for that. And Nick from the Let's Get Hammered podcast. Nick, where else can people find you? Um, uh, Wheelchair Shane on Twitter. And like I say, always follow the projects. Just kept carry on following the projects. We should have a new episode of Let's Get Hammered out this week. So, wow, Stevie Nichol. I'm pretty much blown away by that. That's the first time I found out about that. So, Surprise. Yeah, I'm, I am surprised. <laughs> so, and thank you so much, guys, for joining us. This is Jimmy signing off. And we'll talk to you guys next week.